0: So if you're able, grab your Bibles and join us as we continue our journey in the Word.
1: You know, this is why James, in the book of James, goes so far as to say that faith without works is what? Dead faith. Dead faith, because faith which leads to salvation should always produce a working faith in us, a desire in us to serve God. And when you look at Peter's mother-in-law, she wastes no time rising from her sickbed to serve after Jesus healed her. Paul wasted no time after rising from his spiritual sickbed, being touched by Jesus on the Damascus Road, to willingly offer to serve him, and neither should any of us whom Jesus has touched and healed waste any time rising up to serve him. Just as Paul writes in Romans 12 and verse 11, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Do you hear what it says? Not lagging in diligence with all energy, fervent in spirit, all all power and energy, just giving it all to the Lord so that we can serve him. Now, you might be saying, well, how do I do that in the midst of COVID? You know, we're not meeting in the church like we normally do. I can't teach my kids class. I can't be a greeter at the doors. I can't do it. Look, if your idea of serving the Lord boils down to the four walls of this church or the church wherever you're attending, you you have a misconception of what true biblical service is. Sure, there's things that we do as a part of ministry in our churches, but the real truth is, even in doing that, we're being equipped for the greater service we give to Jesus every day of the week as we walk out of these doors when we're meeting or out of the tents right now as we meet outside or off the live stream as you're watching. You can still be asking the Lord, Lord, how can I serve you? And to begin serving him. Maybe that service involves reaching out with a phone call to someone that needs encouragement today. Maybe it involves helping someone who needs groceries that you can use that as a way and a door opening to sharing the gospel with them. Maybe it has to do with being sensitive to the spirits leading at work or when you're out in the stores. Service is not reduced to what we do inside the church Our service is what we are for Jesus each and every moment of the day, wherever we are in whatever circumstance we are in. And this should be our desire to rise and to serve him. Now, note one final thing before we move on. In Luke's Gospel, the term rebuke is, is used quite frequently and it's gonna describe Jesus rebuking a number of things. First, he's gonna, we're gonna find him rebuking demons. We already saw that and we'll see it throughout. And then we see him here rebuking fever. And then later he's gonna rebuke the wind and the waves. And oh yeah, by the way, he also is going to be found rebuking his disciples from time to time. I don't know about you, but I've experienced the rebuke of the Lord from time to time, and it taught me much. But, but Luke's intent with describing these events of his rebuking is to, to, to use it to, to clearly reveal to us Jesus's authority and his power to do these things. Luke wants us to see that Jesus, while being truly human, at the same time was God incarnate. We we sometimes find it hard to grasp the simultaneous nature of these realities, how Jesus could be both at once. But Luke's gospel emphasizes both of the, these aspects of, of who Jesus is so that we'll know that this is who Jesus came to be, both 100% man, but 100% God with the ability to rebuke like this and to find that these things respond to his rebuke. The demons responded. The fever responds The wind and the waves will respond. And yes, even his disciples will respond because they recognized his authority, as I hope that you and I do as well. Well, look on at verse 40. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Luke now begins to give us an overview of the varied miracles that Jesus was performing, the various healings and demonic deliverances and such and such as these. And you'll note that as Luke begins this description, he begins by giving us a sense of the timing of when Jesus was engaging in these activities here in this passage, and although we tend to pass over Luke's statement in this regard when we read our Bibles, it is a deliberate and important piece of information. And what is it that he tells us? He tells us right up front, when the sun was setting, these people came. When the sun was setting, these people all came, and Jesus began to touch and to do these things. Now, what's that about? Well, this seemingly unimportant addition is telling us that Jesus was performing this miraculous ha- acts on behalf of these people at the start of the week, at the start of the new week, the day following the Sabbath. Now, how do we know this is the day following the Sabbath? I mean, it's sundown, right? Yeah, it's the day, it's it's the sundown following the Sabbath, and it's, it's, it's Saturday night, the sun is going down, the Sabbath has ended, But we know that this is the the, the day after because in the previous event we were told in verse 38 that, that he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Why would Jesus have been in the synagogue originally before this happened? Because it was the Sabbath before all this happened. We also know from verse 31 that this day began with Jesus teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And now here Luke is telling us that it is the end of that same day as the sun was setting Which would be the start of the new day, because the Jews don't count a day as we count a day. They counted the day from sundown to sundown. That's how they counted the day. And and now it's at the start of this new day, as the sun is going down, that the people are coming to him for healing and deliverance. They're not coming to him on the Sabbath. They're coming at the start of the day following the Sabbath for all of these miracles to be performed. So why is this important? Because the Jewish religious leadership considered it a violation of the law to engage in these kinds of activities on the Sabbath. And the people knowing this, the vast majority of the people knowing this, were not seeking Jesus out on the Sabbath, but they were waiting until it was permissible for them to come like this. In other words, they were waiting until one minute into the new day to come with him with all these issues. But what it means is that they continued to live with their need for healing and deliverance, until the start of that new day after the Sabbath because of the constraints that men had imposed on them in the name of religion. Granted, it only meant waiting a day, but so what? Listen, when you're suffering, a day will feel like a thousand years. Again, just ask my wife. I told you I'm a baby when I get sick. A cold that lasts a week feels like it's just lasted six years, seven years feels like it's going on forever so these people in their suffering they're delaying for something that they know jesus they're hearing it jesus is healing people oh we can get healed but but we can't go because the clock hasn't turned to the day after the sabbath and it'd be a breaking of the law for us to go to him on the sabbath and have him heal us like this you see and and the truth is the religionists they didn't care They didn't care because it was their rules that mattered to them, not the needs of the people. And we're going to see that more and more. We're going to see the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and all these religious leaders being more concerned with the rules than they are with people. But Jesus understood something that the religionists who imposed all these rules did not understand. As he's later going to tell them the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Jesus knew that the Sabbath was meant to be a day of blessed rest for mankind. And rest involves what? Being free to burdens, getting that burden taken off of you. And what greater relief from a burden, and, and, and I should say this, what greater burden is there than to be sick or demon-possessed? It's painful suffering and bondage. And Jesus knew that. And that's why even though many of these people might have waited until the appropriate day, Jesus wasn't waiting for the appropriate day because we already saw that he delivered a demonically possessed man on the Sabbath. He has already healed Peter's mother-in-law on the Sabbath. He didn't wait in order to keep the rules that men imposed. He, he, he began to heal and deliver. And he also knew that what he was doing was not a violation of God's intent behind the Sabbath laws. Yes, there were Sabbath laws in the scriptures, but, but Jesus knew that he wasn't violating the Sabbath laws. He wasn't laboring for some self-focused, self-enhancing benefit, which is what the, the, the Sabbath laws were trying to prevent. It was the Sabbath laws were trying to focus men on God and, and to stop having them worry about themselves and making a living and doing all these other kinds of things. But, but he wasn't doing things that did that. He was doing things that freed men and women from the terribly heavy burdens that life in this fallen world had imposed upon them. And besides that, Jesus will even say later that he's Lord of the Sabbath. He is God in the flesh, which makes him the creator of the Sabbath. So he, not men, get to make the decision as to what the intent behind the Sabbath was all about and what things could and couldn't be done on the Sabbath. But all these other people, they waited until the Sabbath was over to come for the healing and the deliverance they needed, but they wouldn't have had to do that. They could have come sooner and they too could have experienced the freedom and the rest that that the man in the synagogue enjoyed as Jesus' freedom from his demonic possession and the freedom that Peter's mother now was experiencing and her freedom from this fever as Jesus touched and healed her on the Sabbath. All of these other people could have found freedom and rest so much sooner had it not been for the restrictions that religionists had placed upon them. And Jesus was not like these religionists. In fact, he came to break the norms that religionists then and now had imposed and to free men and women from these heavy burdens, not to add to their burdens through the imposition of meaningless rules that govern spirituality as men, as men, as men thought spirituality should be. He came to introduce God's heart behind the law in a nation marked by heartlessness, spiritless adherence to religious rules and regulations he came to do away with, you see. Now, we're living some 2,000 years since these events happened and Jesus was walking the earth and breaking these norms, showing us God's heart, yet how short a distance we have been come from understanding it all. Like the religionists of that day, I'm just going to tell you quite honestly, I think that in, in many ways we've become religionists of our day. So many Christians creating so many rules and laws, all intended to govern spirituality, to govern, to control it all, you see. And yet so much of it are are rules and regulations that have nothing to do with the heart of God or true spirituality, but all to do with how we think things should be for true spirituality to exist. There are people who believe we need to dress a certain way to be truly spiritual. We need to part our hair a certain way to to look spiritual, to communicate spirituality. There are people who would never think to come, you know, like we're doing right now. There are people who would never think to come sit outside under a tent for a Sunday service because that's not how church is supposed to be. That's not truly spirituality. There are people who will guard the doors of Christianity to keep people out who don't fit the image of what they think a Christian should be. And yet I would tell you that sadly, those very people that they're keeping out may very well be some of the people who are carrying the heaviest burdens and need the rest and deliverance which only Jesus can bring to their lives as they hear the word taught and they hear God's heart being given to them. And yet so many people shut them out. You know, I could go on and on with the rules and the regulations, and so much of it is pure religion of men and not the pure religion of God. May I just say to you guys this morning, be very, very careful with this kind of stuff. Be very careful about the ideas you hold about what spirituality is or isn't. Be very careful about constraining people from reaching out to Jesus in order to maintain the religious rules and regulations you feel are so important to maintain in order to ensure true spirituality from your perspective. Be careful of constraining Jesus from what it is he should or shouldn't do, or when he should or shouldn't do it. Well, the religionists of his day were content to leave men and women under their burden so as not to disrupt their own ideas about the Sabbath and about spirituality. Jesus had absolutely no problems freeing people from their burdens on the Sabbath. And in his mind, what better day could there possibly be than to do just that? So they carried their burdens a, an extra minute, an extra hour, an extra day more than they needed to. They could have come on the Sabbath as as and, and, and found that healing, but they waited. Let's not cause people to wait in our world. Let's not cause people to hesitate to come to Jesus in our world. Always remember what Jesus is saying to men and women. Be very careful that our message to people aligns with this. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But only come in the following way. Only come on this certain day. Only come dressed like this. Only come expecting to meet like, no, he doesn't say any of that. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Wow. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yup, even on the Sabbath. Even on the Sabbath. The lifting of yokes. That's what Jesus came to do. He didn't come to violate the law, nor did he ever violate the law. He kept it perfectly. But he kept God's heart behind the law, and he refused to fall in line with what men and women had made the law to be about. It was a stench in his nostrils just as much as our twisting the Scriptures and creating rules and regulations that the Scriptures themselves do not convey. In order to keep people in check, to to meet our idea of spirituality is repulsive to Jesus. He wants them to come. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. May we always present him and what he's offering to mankind with that understanding. Well, look on on to verse 42, now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place and the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose, I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. Now here Luke reveals to us, I believe he's revealing the humanity of Jesus. I mean, think about this. He tells us that as day dawned and he ministered to all these people, he begins to depart and, and he goes to this deserted place. Same day, day after the Sabbath, but now it's the morning. So remember, Sabbath started at sundown. Now the sun's coming up, so it's the next morning after he's done all these things, healing people, delivering them. But he departs to a deserted place. And like all humans, Jesus needed time away. He needed to find a place of quiet solitude and, and rest. This is a need that all of us have as human beings. Do you know that? We need rest. And Don't underestimate the importance of your need for this, no matter what field of work you are in. We all need times of respite and, and, and restful refreshment. And yet those times of refreshment and rest should be about respite from the things of life and, and, and not a break from the Lord, you see. Now, why do I say that? I say it because over years of, of, of in my Christianity, I've heard some Christians say, I need a break from the things of the Lord for a while. I've heard those very words, even in ministry as a pastor. I need a break from the things of the Lord for a while. Now, look, for some people, what they were saying is, I need to stop the ministry that I'm doing right now, the service that I'm doing for the Lord in this capacity. I need a break from kids' ministries. I need a break from, you know, street witnessing. I need a break from these things right now. I just need time to to just refresh myself in the Lord. That is cool. Nothing wrong with that. It's not wrong to take a, a break from ministry and service for the Lord. And oftentimes what what but but and that's what some are saying, but but sometimes what I have found is that people are not saying that. What they're really saying is, I need to take a break from the Lord for a while. Oh man, that's grievous. That that that's something completely altogether different. It is not scriptural, not in the least. It's it's not even fitting for any true child of God to want to do that. In fact, we're going to find that in many cases when Jesus, I would argue it's in all cases, he just doesn't express it in the Gospels all the time this way, but, but when we see Jesus getting away like this, he isn't doing it to get away from his heavenly Father. He's getting away from the stuff of life that's wearing him down so that he can spend time with his heavenly father. He needed to get away from the hustle and the bustle of the crowds and from ministry so that he could spend more time alone with his heavenly father. And that is more than appropriate for us as believers to do as well taking breaks away from the busyness of life so that we can spend time with the Lord, not away from him. As we seek those times, I'm just going to tell you they will prove to be the greatest times of refreshing we can ever experience. But to take breaks from the Lord is completely unthinkable and it will never lead to the real refreshment. Any of us truly need is God's people. Yes, we need a break from the hustle and the bustle of ministry and life But we need those breaks so that we can get alone with the Lord and He can refresh us. You know, I I said something to the group this morning, and I I just would say it to you all. You know, I know that there are people who are being worn down by everything that's happening related with COVID. You know, I understand that. I'm somewhat frustrated at times, too. I just, we all want to get back to our lives. But you know what? Maybe our time would be better spent using this as an opportunity to get with the Lord, to have this opportunity of refreshing from Him when we can't do everything else that would distract us when life is normal. I mean, think about it. Those of you, this church or other churches, there's not the busyness of all the activities of, of having to serve you, you're not having to be here to teach kids or do other stuff on the grounds and, and in terms of our work yep it's w- many are at work and some are not some are at work in limited ways some have a change in the way they do it and at first that's hard to get used to that but in a lot of ways we'd all argue that we're, we're finding that our frustration is that we can't go out anymore we can't run to the movies like we did we don't go out to the to the, to restaurants the way we did once we don't go to the store quite as much we're not doing all these things. And and that's frustrating some people, but I'm actually finding it to be refreshing. I'm finding myself spending more time with the Lord. And I think that as we do that, we'd find refreshment. Boy, I sure hope we don't come out of the back end of this thing with all of you being more worn down than you were when you walked into it. I hope you come back with an energy and a refreshment that can only come from spending time with the Lord. You know, I have long said, I'm convinced that oftentimes, even though I'm a baby when I get sick, boy, that's the topic this morning, isn't it? But even though I'm a baby when I get sick, one of the things I have learned over the years is sometimes the Lord just simply allows the sickness in my life because it's the only way to couch me. It's the only way to get me to take a break so that I can find time with him. And I do, I find myself grabbing my Bible and reading it while I'm laying there in my sickness, spending time just talking to him so he can talk to me. I believe God will use these times to refresh us if we'll let him. So don't let the circumstances frustrate you. Find a way to use this time that you have before life becomes overwhelming and busy again when this thing passes to get with the Lord as Jesus does. And so it is that Jesus is seeking a time of solitude and respite, time alone to simply commune with his heavenly Father. But but Luke tells us that the crowds pursued him. Now, at this point in the narrative, the crowds are still pursuing him to hear what he has to say, by and large. But as time passes, we're going to find that the account will change, and we're going to find more and more that the crowds that he will draw won't be coming to hear what he has to say, but they'll be, large, by and large, becoming coming to see him perform what? Miracles. Even here, the context hints at the fact that this crowd is pursuing him because of the miracles that he just performed in the preceding verses. But the attraction to miracles hasn't yet become as pronounced as it's going to be later in His ministry. But while miracles will become the focus of the crowds, know this, they will never be, nor are they today, the focus of Jesus. Jesus makes His focus very clear here in verse 43, and it has not changed. I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent.